Walks Connecting. London Walks here with your daily London fix. Story time, history time. Well, darlings, we may get a few months out of it, but it won't break any records. Well, she was wrong. They didn't get a few months out of it. They got three quarters of a century out of it, and it's still going strong. And yes, it broke the record. Broke it 64 years ago. So breaking records doesn't even come into the discussion anymore. For that matter, this discussion doesn't land on the setting record square. No, darlings, this little number owns the record, has owned it for decades, and will own it forever. You guessed? Good on you, got it in one. Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. It opened in London on this day, November 25th, 1952. Opened at the Ambassador's Theatre. Want some perspective? Queen Elizabeth II's coronation was six months in the future. Her father, George VI, had only recently died. The 1951 Festival of Britain was just a year in the past. Mae West had been on the London stage just four years previously. Nobody had heard of John Rillington and 10 Rillington Place. That nightmare in Notting Hill was still in the oven. Other novelties were lighting shop windows after closing time and flashing advertising signs. The war and rationing had done for both of them, and they'd only just returned. So that was the world, the London, the mousetrap was born into. And nobody expected much from it, including its creator, Agatha Christie. For it was she who said, We may get a few months out of it, darlings, but it won't break any records. Let's run the numbers. A few months? Let's say a few months was four months, 16 weeks, eight shows a week, 128 performances. Well, that was out by about 28,000 performances. For the record, The Mousetrap broke the record on Saturday, April 12th, 1958. That was its 2,239th performance, making it the longest run in this country's history. Bears repeating, that was in 1958, 64 years ago. It'll be closing in on 30,000 performances now. Put it in spaceship terms. Other shows get launched and maybe go up and orbit the Earth or even the moon a few times. And that's their ride. The mousetrap went past Pluto a decade ago or so and is chugging along very nicely, merrily making its way out of the solar system. A couple of nice factoids about it. The Mousetrap is an enlargement of Three Blind Mice, a short play which Agatha Christie wrote for broadcasting. She wrote the radio play as a birthday present for Queen Mary. It's based on a short story, which in turn was based on the radio play. Christie asked that the story not be published as long as it ran as a play in the West End. So sure enough, it's still not been published in the UK. Christie gave the rights of the play to her grandson, thereby taking care of him and his heirs for the rest of his life. Productions are very strictly controlled. As long as it's running in the West End, only one other production in the UK can be mounted each year. I dare say nobody alive today will see the film adaptation because it cannot be produced until the West End production has been closed for at least six months. Agatha Christie died in 1976. 
By then, the play had made more than three million pounds. The great actor Richard Attenborough was in the first cast, as was his wife, Sheila Sim. They took a 10% profit participation in the production, which was paid for out of their combined weekly salary. Attenborough said it was the wisest business decision he ever made. The play has also made theatrical history by having an original cast member survive all the cast changes since its opening night. The late Derek Geiler can still be heard via a recording reading the radio news bulletin in the play to this present day. The set's been changed twice, first in 1965 and then in 1999. But one prop survives from the original opening, the clock which sits on the mantelpiece of the fireplace in the main hall. The cast gets changed annually, so the Mousetrap's everlasting run in the West End has so far been borne along by over 500 actors, including London Walk's guide Andy Hallett. When in 1974 it changed homes, moving from the Ambassador's Theatre to the larger St. Martin's Theatre next door, the last night at the Ambassador's was Saturday, March 23, 1974. And the first night at its new home, St. Martin's, was Monday, March 25th, which enabled it to keep its initial run status. And then cometh the pandemic and lockdown. The West End was forced to turn off its lights on March 16, 2020. For the first time in 68 years, the mousetrap goes dark is how the show's timeline puts it. It reopened on May 17, 2021. Cue the timeline again. The Mousetrap becomes the first show to reopen to lead the West End out of lockdown. As one headline put it, the Mousetrap snaps back. It's stirring stuff, so moving. And lockdown, schmockdown, the run is still regarded as continuous which is how it should be. Final point, the play's storyline is set at the present. In other words, England as it was around the time when the play came out in 1952. So if you want to time travel, want to go back to the immediate post-war period, get a taste, so to speak, of the post-war continuation of World War II rationing, well, head to the Great Hall of Monkswell Manor in Berkshire. In short, go and see the mousetrap. And yes, that's the Today in London recommendation. Very much a yesterday in London recommendation. Quite a few yesterdays ago. The yesterdays of 1952, to be precise. Oh, and do be sure and see that grizzled veteran, the old wooden counter in the foyer of the theater. Emblazoned across it is the legend, This performance is number... And then beneath it is the number of whatever performance it is. It's like an old-fashioned manual scoreboard. It's selfie heaven in the heart of the West End of London. You've been listening to the Today in London History podcast, emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just the right size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, London's multi-award winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. 
London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for 20 pounds a walk, but you cannot get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. It's not rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely, you also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started, we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a searching question. Do we want to make the most money? Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company in the world, you do whatever you have to do to attract and keep the best guides in London. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. It's the reason we've got a large following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals. Barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, archaeologists, historians, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the Guide of the Year Award. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar, and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London walks. See you tomorrow.